And uh, I just thank the Lord that you all changed your clocks and uh, came this morning. Just pray for those who are sleeping in that they'll be blessed. <laughs> Uh, so I grew up uh, believing that I was ugly. Uh, I didn't think it was sad. I just thought, you know, some people are ugly and some people are pretty, and I was ugly. And, uh, and of course, my parents told me that I was pretty, but I guess um, hearing from them every once in a while that I was pretty just couldn't compare with hearing every day in school how ugly I was. And the boys would walk by and bark at me and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you hear something often enough, you know, you begin to believe it. And uh, it got better when I went to high school. And uh, uh, when I was in university, I was at uh, the airport church one day and they were speaking about forgiveness. And they said, you know, God wants you to forgive somebody, ask him who it is. And into my mind came these boys who used to be really mean. And I said, you know, God, I don't want to forgive them. I want to hit them over the head with a baseball bat. That's what I really want to do. And, uh, but I didn't. I forgave them. And uh, as soon as I forgave them, into my mind came a picture of uh, a lily. And uh, I knew that God was showing me how he saw me. And I was telling a friend, guess what, guess what? God sees me like a lily. And she said, Amanda, can you see yourself that way? And I said, no. And she said, well, God's not the one with the perception problem here. <laughs> But I, I couldn't. Now, all this time I was a Christian, right? I became a Christian when I was a kid. Um, missionaries came to my Sunday school class, and they told us all about this loving God who wanted to live with us forever in paradise. And I thought, I want that. And uh, then they told us that because God was perfect and paradise was perfect, only perfect things could go there. Well, I have a younger brother and sister, so I knew I wasn't perfect. And uh, so um, they said that, you know, God had a rescue plan for us, that he sent his son Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect life. And so Jesus could spend eternity with him. And, uh, and, but I was, I was supposed to die because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And he said that Jesus took our place on the cross and died for us, so that we could go to heaven and be, live forever with God in paradise. And all we had to do was um, accept Jesus, this gift he gave us. And so I was a kid. I didn't know that God heard everything. So that day I prayed over and over and over again, Jesus, that's what I want. Jesus, that's what I want. I'm sorry, and I want you to be my God, and I want to live with you forever. And um, so all this time, um, while this was happening, I was a Christian. And... Uh, Soon after I forgave those boys, I went to Japan, and um, I lived in a small village, and the little kids there watched uh, foreign movies. And um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in Japan they have a stereotype about Caucasian people, it's that we're all beautiful. And so every day the little kids were telling me how beautiful I was, over and over and over again. And you know, if you hear something often enough, you begin to believe it. And, I started thinking, oh, I, I'm okay. You know, maybe I have a nice smile, you know. And I was at church one day, and um, God was speaking to my heart. And he said, you know, Amanda, your name's in the Bible. And I said, God, I've read through the Bible quite a few times. My name's not there. 
it's really a bad idea to argue with God about the Bible. <laughs> he said, what does your name mean? And my name means beloved. And um, he said, where's that in the Bible? And that's in the Song of Solomon. The beloved is one of the characters there. And I read Song of Solomon. And in chapter 2, verse 1, the beloved is speaking. And she says, I am a rose of Sharon. I am a lily of the valley. I was like, oh, that's me. I'm the lily. I'm the beloved. And that I could really believe, you know, that I was beautiful then. And um, so I just want to ask you a question. Have you believed a lie in your life? Um, so today I want to talk about the three-minute testimony. In 1 Peter 3.15, uh, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, because people are going to ask us, why do you have peace? Why do you have hope? Why are you so happy? Why do you never complain? Right? And we are to have an answer ready. And so today, I'm going to be doing less of preaching and more of a workshop. And we're all going to work on a three-minute testimony. Um, and if you already have a three-minute testimony, then it's always good to ask God for new ones. Um, part of uh, what we're working on this year in this church is the outward journey where we go into the um, community when we talk to our friends and family about God. And so this is part of us being ready for the outward journey. Um, I really love testimonies because um, before I preached about... Um, how we can prove the Bible is true logically and historically. And when you do that, that's just so great. But people can argue back. But when you give your testimony, people can't argue back because it's simply your experience. You know, and oftentimes what we say really touches people because they've had a similar experience. Um, I used to be part of a group that was called Lay Witness Missions. And it was all lay people, so no pastors allowed. And uh, we would go into churches on the weekends, and we would do a conference. And a big part of the conference was giving our testimony. And um, so, you know, for 10 or 15 years, three or four weekends a year, I would go into a church, and at least once on that weekend, I would give my testimony. And so over the years, I built up a few testimonies that I could give. And I'm going to give them today as we go through to demonstrate a three-minute testimony. Now, I say three minutes. They're usually between three and five. But if you aim for three minutes, then you keep it under five. If you aim for five, it's like 10 or 15. So <laughs> actually, I used to think when I was uh, younger, part of this group, that every, there was supposed to be one long testimony and one short testimony, because it always seemed somebody gave a really long testimony. But actually, it was just the people who weren't so practiced would go up first. <laughs> and they would always say things like, oh, well, you know, I guess somebody needed to hear that. But really, it's just practice. You know, three minutes is a good amount of time. People can listen for that long. It gets them interested. They can ask questions, right? If we go on for 20 minutes, they tend to not be so interested often. Yeah. Okay. So Paul has a three-minute testimony in the Bible. So I'm going to read Paul's three-minute testimony. And if you would like to get out your stopwatches, now is the time. <laughs> um, Paul is uh, being kept in uh, prison. Uh, he was arrested uh, because, um, really because people were uh, jealous of him. They, they said he was starting a riot, but really they were just jealous. And so um, he's appealed to Caesar. He's going to go to Italy to um, stand in front of the judge there, and they have to write something. 
And so King Agrippa comes and Paul tells him his story so they'll know what to write when he goes to Italy. So this is it, Paul's three-minute testimony. Now, other people speak during this testimony, but I'm only going to read Paul's words. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope and what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I, too, was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punish, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing all around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, Kinegrimpa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. This is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and, as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. So this is Paul's three-minute testimony. You know, they asked, and he had an answer ready, and today we're going to have our own answer ready. So here's an outline of a three-minute testimony. We start with before. What happened before God healed you? 
What happened before you forgave the person? What happened before um, you were healed of the abuse? Right? The before is not necessarily before you became a Christian. Because many people like me became a Christian as a child, a lot of our healing happened later in life. So we're going to pick an issue, right? And we do the before, before. And it's best to start with a hook, right? So I start with, um, I grew up believing I was ugly, right? So it gets people interested. And then there's the how, how you became a Christian. Or if, like me, you were, you were young or you don't really remember the time, it sort of happened over time, then when you decided to make it your own and not your parents. Or maybe there was a day where you just realized you know, maybe you went to church for a long time, and one day you realized, you know what? I really believe this. And the how includes the gospel message, right? Because this is the reason for our hope, the gospel. And then there's an after. What happened after God healed you? And if possible, it's good to use a Bible verse. Maybe you didn't have that Bible verse right away, but maybe there's one now that really fits in, you know, like the Bible says. So this is... Um, this is sort of the outline. So I, I'm going to give another testimony so you can listen to how I use the outline before, how I became a Christian, and after. And each section should ideally be about a minute. They're usually a little bit longer than a minute. Um, I'll, uh, we'll come back to this, so if you don't have it all down, don't worry. Each section, I have a whole page. So. So my mom abandoned me when I was 12. Not uh, physically, but emotionally. She went into a depression for two and a half years and basically spent that time in her bedroom crying. So uh, she would, we'd be at the dinner table and she would leave to go to her bedroom and cry. And we would be at church and she would leave to go cry. And we would be out at friends and she would leave to go home and cry. And um, I was the oldest, and so I took over a lot of the uh, duties. One of the duties I took over was homework um, for my younger brother and sister. I was now the French tutor and helped my brother with his science project, which he didn't start until the night before, because that's what little brothers do. <laughs> and um, I would spend a lot of time, my bedroom is beside my parents, and so I could hear her crying or yelling, and I spent a lot of time praying uh, for my mom. Uh, and uh, I was a Christian all of this time. Uh, I became a Christian when I was a child. Missionaries came to my uh, Sunday school class and they told us that God loved us and that he wanted to live forever with us in paradise. And I knew I wanted that. But they told us that only perfect people could be in heaven because uh, heaven was perfect and God was perfect. And um, you know, if there was, say, sickness in heaven, God didn't want that, or sin in heaven. And uh, now I knew I wasn't perfect because, as I mentioned, I have a younger brother and sister who we did not always get along. And um, so I knew I couldn't. I couldn't be perfect. And they told us that God had a rescue plan, that he sent his son Jesus to live on this earth, and that Jesus lived a perfect life. And so Jesus could live forever with God in paradise, but, but I was supposed to die. But Jesus died on the cross and took my place. He died instead of me so that I could take his place in heaven. And I was so excited, and I wanted this wonderful person to be in my life. I wanted to choose him. And so I prayed and asked God to forgive me and accepted the gift that Jesus gave in trading places with me. 
So uh, when all this was happening, I was a Christian. And um, things got better after two and a half years. My mom slowly got better, and I sort of forgot about that time until I was uh, in university, and I was telling a friend about what had happened, and all these memories started coming back that I hadn't had before. And uh, I, I really knew I needed help with um, these memories of not having a mom for those two and a half years. And so um, I was at church one time praying about this, and a lady I didn't know came over to me and said that she felt God had a verse for me. I was like, okay. And she said it was from Isaiah 49:15, and uh, that verse is God speaking. He says, can a mother forget a child at her breast? Even though she would forget you, I will not forget you. And uh, that's when I realized when, um, when my mom abandoned me, I thought God had abandoned me too because I prayed all those times. And um, when she said that verse, then I realized that he hadn't abandoned me. And I started getting really mad at God. I was like, if you didn't abandon me, what were you doing all that time I was praying? All those times in my room, like you heard me and did nothing? And um, God spoke to my heart. He said, Amanda, is your mom still depressed? I said, no, she's doing great. He said, that's right. Because of the prayers of a 12-year-old girl, I healed your mom. And I knew that uh, not only did he not abandon me, but he answered my prayers. And so I just want to ask if there's something you're praying for right now. So uh, in the testimonies, right, you start with the beginning, how it was before, right, with the hook. And then you tell the gospel message, right? This is your story about how you became a Christian. It's not going to be the same as mine, but it does include the gospel message because this is what we want them to hear, the reason for our hope, and then the after. How did God heal you? Now, I've probably done all of my testimonies like at least 20 times, uh, so I'm really practicing. And practice helps. You know, practice helps. Uh, I probably wasn't 12. I was probably 10 in that picture. I had really big front teeth. I had braces for four years. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, picking a topic. Okay, so um, when you pick a topic for your testimony, and you can pick lots of topics, um, it's not your life story. A lot of people think a testimony is their life story, and that's when it goes on for half an hour and you lose people at like minute seven, right? So it's not your life story. And it's not usually about how you became a Christian unless you just recently became a Christian or perhaps you have a very supernatural story about how you became a Christian. Um, usually it's about something that God's done in your life, you know, how he's healed you. Why do you have peace? It may not be um, some thing that happened at one particular point, but it might be that just over time you realized you had more peace in your life. Right? So we're going to pick, um, you know, healing a relationship, helping you to forgive, revealing a truth, um, overcoming abuse. Um, and we're going to ask God to help us with picking a topic. Um, and now some testimonies are testimonies that you only give uh, to people of the same gender. So when you go to women's retreats, quite a few of the testimonies are about how the women have overcome sexual abuse. So if you have a testimony like that, that's awesome you know, or a testimony for only men. You know, don't, if that's your testimony, don't shy away from that. This is your story, because your story is going to touch lives. So um, there's 
paper and pencils on a lot of the chairs. And if you need something to write on, I have a whole bunch of uh, kids' Bibles up here <laughs> that you can write on. So we're just going to ask God. I'm going to give you about three minutes or so um, to just jot down some notes about maybe a topic. So Father God, we all have a story that you gave us to share. And would you just show us what testimony is it that you'd like us to work on today? And Holy Spirit, thank you for your awesome help in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a, once you have a topic, you're going to start writing the before. How was it before God healed you? I love this little dog. looks so sad. <laughs> so we start with a hook. The hook is usually the worst part of the story, how bad it got. So I start out with, um, my mom abandoned me. I grew up believing I was ugly. My dad's testimony used to start up with he grew up believing he was stupid. And I have a friend whose testimony begins, I decided to kill myself that night. So you want to start with sort of the worst, the worst part, so people know what you're talking about, so people are interested. And you want to tell about how bad it was, how did it affect you, what were the bad things. However, I usually try to add in one funny detail so it's not all down and out. You know, that keeps people also listening. So I can give you a few minutes now just to jot down some notes about how it was in the before. Okay, so again, feel free to keep writing as I speak. Um, the next part is the how you became a Christian. Um, and I find this is um, often the most difficult part for people to do because you're wanting to include the gospel presentation. Um, so, uh, so uh, like me, if you became a Christian as when you were young, uh, you can use the line, you know, all this time I was a Christian, Right? Because obviously you became a Christian uh, before these things happen, right? So you give your before, then all this time I was a Christian. Or for some people it could be that they became a Christian after this and then things got better, right? But the how does come in the middle. Um, and you want to make sure you use the gospel. And so I find that's sometimes hard to remember everything. Uh, so I use the wordless book uh, for the gospel presentation. So... Um, the wordless book is uh, a book with no words in it, just colors. And sometimes kids make it into a bracelet and use beads. And there's gold, black, red, white, and green. Um, the gold stands for the streets of gold in heaven. And that part is God loves us and wants to live with us forever in paradise. And then the black stands for sin. God doesn't want any wrongdoing in paradise because that would ruin it. So I do wrong things so I couldn't be with God for eternity in paradise. Red stands for the blood of Jesus. God made a rescue plan for us. He sent his son Jesus to live on earth, and he lived a perfect life. So he could go to paradise, but we were supposed to die. Instead, Jesus died on the cross in our place. Then white is for purity. If we accept this gift and choose Jesus as our God, all the things we've ever done wrong are forgiven, and we become like white like snow with no sin, right? And we can live forever with God in paradise. And then green is for growth. We get to know God through prayer and the Bible. Um, I often leave out the green in my three-minute testimonies because I go on to that later. Um, so I'm going to give one last of my testimonies so you can hear how I do. This will be the third time you've heard the gospel. <laughs> uh, so I'll leave that up so you can write that down. Um, growing up, my brother and I didn't get along. Uh, he was four years younger than me, and um, we often fought. And as, I, as we got into our teen years, um, 
he would take things, you know. He would take the chocolates in my room that I had been saving for later. And uh, he would take my clothes and he would take my things. And um, my parents didn't really know how to deal with him. So when I would go to them to ask for help, they weren't able to make him give those things back. And so um, throughout my, uh, my life as a teenager, my brother was just allowed to take things from me and I couldn't get them back. He was younger but bigger and stronger than me and I, I couldn't um, get them back. So uh, I didn't like him very much. <laughs> So all this time I was a Christian. Uh, I uh, became a Christian when I was uh, a small child in Sunday school. We had missionaries come and they told us all about this wonderful God and just how great he was and loving and how he wanted to live with us forever in paradise. And I wanted that because paradise, you know, sounded like a good place to be. And God sounded pretty cool. And they told us that um, in paradise, there couldn't be anything that wasn't perfect, or it would ruin it, of course, you know? So you couldn't do anything. If you'd done something wrong, you couldn't go. You know, well, like I said, I have a younger brother and also a younger sister, and I knew I'd done things wrong to them. And so I knew I, I couldn't go. But they told us that God made a rescue plan, that he sent his son Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect life. And so... Uh, he could spend eternity with God in this wonderful place, but I was supposed to die. But instead, Jesus died in my place so that I could take his place in paradise forever. And I knew that's what I wanted. And I prayed and asked God to forgive me for the things I'd done wrong. And I received Jesus' gift uh, that made it that I could go to heaven so all this time I wasn't getting along with my brother, I was a Christian, and I knew I was supposed to do the Christian thing, but really I didn't like him in my heart. Um, and uh, I was in the school of ministry uh, back in 2000 uh, at the church, they have a Bible school, and they were talking about forgiveness one day, and um, they were encouraging us to forgive somebody, and I thought, you know, I'll forgive my brother. In fact, I had made a vow I had vowed that if, um, if uh, I ever had a kid, I didn't want a boy if it was going to be like my brother. That's a pretty bad vow. So I broke that vow. I forgave my brother. And um, a little while later, we were driving together somewhere, and he apologized to me for something. That was the second time in my life he ever apologized. I was like, what? And then he asked for my advice. Please, he never even wanted to hear me talk before, let alone ask for my advice. And then he gave me money for the mission trip I was going on. I was like, who are you? <laughs> and who else can I forgive? Because this is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to ask, you know, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Uh, now, I gave this testimony at the, these conferences on the weekend, and um, there was a lady who uh, also gave her testimony, also on forgiveness. And one day, she went right before me, gave her testimony right before me. Um, she's Rwandan, and her testimony is about how she forgave the people who killed her family in the Rwandan genocide. And I was like, really, God, I'm going to go up and give my testimony on forgiving my brother for taking things after she's forgiven somebody for killing her family? Like... <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> and uh, one of the men in the group said to me, you know, Amanda, a lot of people here need to forgive their brother today. I was like, yeah, that's true. All of our testimonies are valid. There's somebody who needs to hear your testimony. 
And that's why we are working on them today. And I just want to say, if there's anyone here who um, has never received this gift that Jesus gave to us, that today is such a great day to do that. Because he is so loving, you will never find another loving God. Because the truth is, we all serve something. You know, if you're not serving God, we're serving money or our job or what life is supposed to be like. You know, I encourage you to choose to serve God. He's the most loving master there is. And uh, if you do want to do that, I'm just going to pray right now, and you can pray with me. So, God, I'm just so sorry for all the things I've done wrong, especially when you're so loving. And would you forgive me for the things I said and the things I thought and the things I did? And Jesus, thank you so much for dying in my place because I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it myself and you did it for me and you gave me this great gift and I just say I want to receive it today. Thank you. And I, I choose you as my God. Thank you for your love for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or maybe you haven't prayed it for a while, please do find um, one of us uh, and let us know, because we want to pray for you and just encourage you. And when you're giving your testimony, at the end, I encourage you to ask the person, is this something you would like? And if they say yes, you can pray that prayer with them. Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, a few minutes to write how uh, you became a Christian. So maybe just a couple of them. I just want to let people get home for lunch, so... <laughs> Okay, last, this is the last slide. <laughs> After. This is often the easiest one to write because we're often excited about it. We're going to tell how God, how things changed or how God healed us or how he intervened. It's always good to have a Bible verse in this section. So if you don't have one, it's good to see if you can find one that fits well. Um, and usually I end with another hook, uh, a question, you know, uh, have you believed a lie in your life? Is there someone you need to forgive? Would you like peace in your life? Um, yeah, so I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to write that as well, your after section. Um, when I did this uh, talk with um, the young adults group in Japan, the next week we had, you know, we had it every week, and the next week we came back for a different talk, and at least two of the girls said, Amanda, Amanda, just after we wrote our testimony, then this week somebody asked me a question that led right into my testimony, you know, and they were like, wow, it's so great, like, they were so amazed, and I thought, oh, that's so true. Like, the Bible says, be ready when people ask you the reason for your peace, but when we're ready, people will ask. And so just now, we're going to pray that God would give us opportunities this week to share our testimony. So let's pray. Um, Father God, we just want to tell about you to our friends and family and people we work with and whoever asks and uh, we ask that this week you would give us opportunity, that people would ask exactly the question that leads into our testimony that you've given us. And uh, Holy Spirit, when we speak, we know it's because um, you touch people's hearts that they're changed, not because of what we say. And so we ask, when you give us this opportunity to share our testimony, would you touch their hearts? Holy Spirit, would you come and show them the Father's love for them? 
Would you just open their hearts in places where it hasn't been opened before for a long time, that they would know your awesome love through our words? And Holy Spirit, we're asking that people would be drawn to you, that they would have the hope we have, that they would have the peace we have, that they would be able to forgive like you gave us grace to forgive. Would you come and breathe your life on these testimonies? on the people that we share them with. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I'm going to do now, um, I'm going to dismiss because it's late, so I'm going to dismiss if you need to go home. But what, I'm, what I'd like is, if you don't have to go home right away, I'm going to put a stop clock up here on three minutes. So if you could practice your testimony with the person beside you, that will really help you be ready. And then after three minutes, I'll stop it and I'll start it again so the other person could practice. So if you're able to stay, please stay and practice your testimony. And if you are not, please have a good lunch.